It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast. Thanks for coming in to talk to me today about Element 9, Workplace Inspections. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Stacey. Thanks for having me back in. How are you doing today? Great, great. All right, let's jump right into uh, question 9.1. Does the organization have a documented workplace inspection procedure? This is really the question that's intended to capture all of the details around how an organization is going to carry out its workplace inspections. Organizations will really want to think about how they want to manage their requirements under the legislation and who within your organization is really best suited to each component of meeting that requirement. In some cases, the legislation is going to tell you exactly who needs to carry something out. And in other cases, you may be choosing to add things in that are vital to your operations. This is an element that you really do want to think about your organizational chart when you're developing your procedures to make sure that the roles you're identifying in those procedures match the ones that really do fit your organization. And you'll want to also think about providing that organizational chart when we get into some of the implementation questions because it's going to help your audit reviewer to understand the context of your organization. So as we're going to discuss in this element too, it's likely going to become pretty clear that uh, in this element we're going to first ask for some procedural background and then we're going to focus on the implementation of those procedures. So it's really pretty important to take your time and develop a detailed procedure but also to have a look at some of those implementation questions that are in this element to to make sure that your procedure is written to capture those things because they are included in this element just because they're considered vital pieces of what you need to have in a workplace inspection procedure. And it's going to end up feeling lacking or there might be gaps in your program if they're not really truly captured within that procedure off the hop. And again, you know, this isn't marked as a legislation question, but it is your how to for this whole element, which includes some legislated items. So you wanna make sure that you really are considering what legislation applies to your workplace inspection and capturing the specifics of that and how you'll achieve it in your procedure. Right, okay. Uh, 9.2, does the procedure define the inspection frequencies and responsibilities? Yeah, question 9.2 is marked a legislative question. Uh, and it is another procedure-based question, uh, similar to 9.1, except that this one could actually be found within 9.1 as sort of a key component that really needs to be captured in the procedures. So the key here is, again, to make sure that you're really clearly identifying the legislated inspection requirements that apply to you and who's supposed to be carrying those out. Be sure to consider requirements that are going to apply for potentially your site supervisors if you're a constructor, or that may apply for your health and safety representative or joint health and safety committee for other firms. We really wanna see that the frequencies for these items are stated very clearly and attached to the people who need to be completing them. Your organization additionally might choose to include other inspections for other positions in your organization that aren't specifically legislated. So you might say you want your senior manager to be involved in some inspections or your health and safety personnel. That's fine. And those should also be captured here in this procedure section with whatever you determine that frequency to be. 
Remember to be specific with those kind of things. I honestly often see things where it says the health and safety person is going to um, do a random inspection. You may do that and that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing a random inspection, but it's not something that can be validated through an audit process. So it's not necessarily something that would be captured that way in your procedure. If you're going to put something in your procedure and you want it to be less frequent, then try to stick to something that might say like at least twice a year and doesn't give a specific uh, regular frequency, but still does provide something that can be audited at the end of the day. Okay. Uh, 9.3, does the procedure define requirements for conducting and recording pre-use inspections of vehicles, machines, tools, and equipment? 9.3 is another question that's marked as legislated, and it's again based on procedure. It's a little bit different than what we've talked about so far with question 9.1 and 9.2, which focused very specifically on procedures around workplace inspections. 9.3 focuses on that, that concept of pre-use that you mentioned in the question. It's very narrowly focused on that. As a result, for some firms, it does end up appearing in the same procedure as you had for 9.1, but for a lot of firms, it really does stand alone or fall in a different section of the manual. I'm also going to look at this one and say, really notice the use of the word and here. There's a lot of items listed here, vehicles, machines, tools, and equipment. And we need you to make sure that in your procedures for this, you've addressed the legislative requirements for each of these items. In addition to that, we need these items to be specifically identified, but we also need the requirements to be specifically identified. So it's not going to satisfy us here to say, um, you know, pre-use inspections per legislation or pre-use inspections per manufacturer's requirements necessarily. We're looking for you to tell us what is the legislation around your pre-use inspection and how are you going to meet that requirement within your program. Okay, um, 9.4, are there specific forms and checklists used for recording inspections? So I can't help starting to talk about 9.4 without highlighting some uh, key pieces. So I really need to start with just some sort of overarching ideas that I want to talk about. The first of these is that this is really the start of implementation. 9.1, 9.2, and 9.3 all focused around procedure in some way, whereas 9.4 is, is starting to take that step into implementation components of um, this element. The second is that this goes back to your general workplace inspections again. We talked about pre-use inspections in terms of procedure in 9.3, but at this point and for the rest of the element, we really are going back to what was described in 9.1 and 9.2 for your general workplace inspections primarily. Third, most or all of the implementation questions in this element will require sets of three consecutive samples for verification of the different components of those documents. These documents, because you're looking for three consecutive samples of workplace inspections, there will be a lot of overlap in terms of what document you provide from one question to the next. So it's important to understand what um, information within that document, the different questions are really getting at so that you can appropriately cross-reference the documents and really make sure that you're giving us the right subsection of that reference each time. Uh, the last thing I really want to say for this one is really check out the handbook for this one, the core handbook that you can get from the IHSA website. It can really pro provide some key tips for the implementation of these questions. 
now, you know, with my, my overall tips out of the way, we can really get into 9.4 specifically. With 9.4, we want you to provide those three specific completed and consecutive samples of your workplace inspections. We want to see the different forms that you have. So if you're a constructor, please make sure that you're providing us with those three consecutive completed supervisor weekly inspections. And that within those, we can see all the different pieces of section 14.3 in the construction regulations are covered. That section of the regulations tells you very specifically the minimum requirements as a constructor that has to go into that document. So we really want to see that you've covered those. We ask that you'd even highlight those things to make them easily referenced for us if you can. We want to see you provide, as I say, the different types of inspections that you did indicate in 9.1. So if you had supervisor inspections and rep inspection requirements, then show us samples, three consecutive samples of each of those things so that we can see that you're using uh, specific forms for those things in a regular way. Custom inspections can exist for different locations if that's a better fit for you, or if you found a way to use one standardized form for your different types of inspections, that can also be acceptable. Just have that match your procedure in terms of what the expectation is and make sure that the form you're using for a given application does meet the requirements of that location and that role. Right. Okay. 9.5. Do records indicate that these inspections have been completed as required? So following in the pattern that we set up in 9.4, note that with this question, it's really going to include your workplace inspections, as you talked about in your procedures. And it's again vital that samples be provided as three consecutive samples. So if we're looking again at supervisor weekly inspections, three consecutive weeks with no gaps for monthly rep inspections or committee inspections, please ensure we get three consecutive months. This is really going to apply for actually 9.5 that we're talking about, but also 9.6 and 9.7, since these all focus on samples of some sort of inspections, but for different pieces of the content. Notice that these three questions, they're actually all marked legislative as well. So it is important not only to get the sampling right, but also the cross-referencing within them. So when you look at 9.5 as the first of these, you really, it's focusing on, as you mentioned, um, that they be completed as required. So for us, we're really gonna make sure that your forms are completed in full, as you indicated in your procedure, and making sure that there's not a bunch of blank spaces left on your form. If you're giving us samples with a bunch of missing information, that's gonna be a pretty major barrier for scoring on that question. 9.5 is really looking at a full record of inspection that's completed with no blanks and again in three consecutive samples. I think honestly by the end of this podcast everyone's going to be tired of hearing me say three consecutive samples but I really can't say it enough because it is that important. You know at this point I kind of am going to jump the gun a little bit and um, tie in with question 9.6 because the next question 9.6 it says are assigned personnel performing inspections as required. To demonstrate this, again, it's those consecutive samples, three of them, of the different inspections in your program now that different people, different roles, should be completing or involved in. This is the one where your organizational chart, as I mentioned earlier, is really going to come in handy. We should be able to validate from your submission that the different roles, the different people that you indicated should be completing inspections 
are completing those types of inspections and that there's three consecutive samples of each of them to really validate that. In this case, it's vital that you highlight and cross-reference those references and those roles and give us additional context so that we can locate that within your documentation and understand that this is that piece of your system. If your form doesn't tell us the role that a given person fills in the organization, you will need to clarify for us what that role is. Because when we see a person's name, while you may know who that person is in your organization, we're not going to necessarily be able to figure out who they are. A form that actually includes name, signature, and role might even be something to consider within your program so that the document does sort of have a strong foundation and stand on its own in that sense. So honestly, at this point, when we talked about 9.5 and 9.6, you've probably provided samples that are gonna help to answer 9.7 as well. So I'm gonna kind of just jump right into that. 9.7 specifically asks for verifying that your inspections are completed at the right frequency. Again, it has to match your procedure. And again, it has to match legislation. So when you gave us samples for 9.4 of your forms or the samples of completion in 9.5 or the samples of the personnel performing inspections in 9.6, in each of those cases, you were asked to provide three consecutive samples, which is how you validate frequency. So now we're looking at making sure that you're just cross-referencing the documents in terms of their dates and ensuring that that frequency is met in those samples. If you do carefully select them, you can end up with a pretty comprehensive set of samples of workplace inspections, but that set of samples with some um, detailed cross-referencing and attention to frequencies and types could satisfy 9.4 through 9.7 uh, with just specific details within it changing for those references. Yeah, I mean, again, I just want to remind people like I do in most or have in most of the um, discussions that we have is that we are auditing you to your procedure. Of course, there are legislative requirements like the, you know, weekly, uh, the supervisors completing a, an inspection weekly. However, um, a lot of the other inspections that you say you're doing is something that you and your company are setting out for yourselves, what's best for your organization, right? Um, so if senior management has no intention or isn't able to do you know, a weekly or bi-weekly inspection, don't write that in your program. You should be writing in what is something that is uh, feasible for them to be doing and something that they're going to be meeting, right? Um, okay, we'll move on to 9.8, are workers involved in the inspection process? As you just mentioned, the procedure is so incredibly important in validating this question. So when you're Looking at your procedure that you made in 9.1, this is one of the implementation questions. You really want to make sure it specifically describes how you intend to include workers in those workplace inspections and how that involvement will also be recorded. This is a documentation question, so you really do want to have a way of recording that involvement to be presented through documentation. If your procedure is specific, we're gonna be able to validate that process quickly and easily with again, three consecutive samples that are documenting worker involvement, just as you indicated. 
Uh, Cross-referencing in these documents should really highlight the worker involvement piece so that we can focus in on that section. And again, this could be um, just a subsection of the same sort of sample package that we've had through a lot of the, the questions in this element with workplace inspections. Right. Okay, 9.9 are identified deficiencies corrected in a timely manner. So those people listening, I mean, you may have guessed it. This requires three consecutive samples of workplace inspections. Uh, here you want to reference the evidence within those inspections with your cross-referencing notes that show that the deficiencies are identified and that specific timelines are provided around the completion of those deficiencies. It's really those two pieces that they're both identified and completed. The more details here that you're going to give us around the, both the deficiency and the completion, the better it's going to go. So again, it's best if your procedure is telling us in detail in 9.1 how you're going to do this, where you're going to record it, and what the expectations are for the details around that recording. The corrective actions that you're going to show us are going to be more robust if you tell us in that documentation process, you know, what was done, specifically the action taken to close it off, who did it, and when. And if you can complete that with a signature of acknowledgement, it's even better. This might be recorded on the inspection form, or I've seen some companies even develop a separate record that they track the process around corrective actions or use something similar through a software program or something cloud-based. All of that is fine. You just need to decide what you're going to do and have a procedure that describes that process. There's always the conversation as well around timely. What does timely mean? And so when we're looking at that and deciding if your actions were timely, it's really just a sense of, you know, is the timeline that you included somewhat reasonable? If you're telling me that your site was messy, I don't expect that to take four months to close off. If you're telling me that there was a repair necessary on a piece of equipment and in the meantime you tagged it out, um, but the repair itself did take a month, you know, maybe that's okay because you, you removed it from service in that time. So really, we will look at it on a case-by-case -case basis to decide, you know, does the action you took make sense in the timeline you took it in? You do also want to avoid um, having deficiencies listed in your procedure that are either completely not addressed or a scenario where you consistently are not noting the deficiencies on the site. In any given scenario when you walk through a site, it's it's likely that you're going to find some deficiencies that are needing to be corrected, whether they can be corrected in the moment or they take a little extra time. And, and we really do wanna see that as a system, the, that the supervisors and those um, completing these inspections, uh, whether it be the supervisor, the rep, the Joint Health and Safety Committee, uh, and whomever else, that they are able to identify and address those deficiencies per your system. This really speaks to that sort of legal definition of competency of the sort of the supervisor or the person in that role in the sense that you know, that person should be able to identify hazards associated with the work. Um, and, and when you're consistently seeing, say, a blank inspection form, that starts to um, raise questions in terms of their ability to identify those hazards. 
So we want to see three samples of deficiencies um, in your three consecutive inspection forms. But in some cases, you'll give us your three consecutive inspection forms, and not all of those will legitimately have deficiencies noted in them. Maybe one does, but two don't. So in that case, you can give us your three consecutive inspection forms, but consider going a little bit further in terms of your uh, submission beyond the three consecutive to ensure that we also can see that three samples of deficiencies were in fact noted, um, that we can see your process for closing those out um, and, and just capture your reasoning for you know, going beyond three consecutive samples or differing from the expected sort of sample structure uh, in your auditor's notes. Use those auditor's notes to tell us, you know, we've provided you five samples in this case because that's what it took us to um, be able to demonstrate at least three samples of the deficiencies. Because the handbook does talk about wanting your three consecutive samples, I would suggest making sure you do still have consecutive samples, but perhaps pair it with additional support from from hand-picked samples that show that deficiency process. Um, okay, 9.10 are the results of workplace inspections communicated to senior management. So no surprise here, uh, we need three consecutive samples of results being communicated to senior management. But it's important to note here that it's not necessarily the same three consecutive samples of inspection forms that I've been repeating over and over and over through this element. Um, in this case, you're going to have to develop for yourself as an organization what your system for communicating inspection results to senior management is. Some firms will, will choose to have management review inspections or a sample of inspection forms, uh, depending on the size of the company and other factors. In this case, they may just complete a sign-off to sort of acknowledge their review and, and sort of acknowledge the information within it. But other firms are going to come up for, with a process that's more of a, a process for summaries of inspection results, pulling key inspection results that's going to be presented to senior management at some frequency. Honestly, this is really one that your organization just needs to determine what's the best fit for you, your size, and your structure. Just make sure that your procedure, again, 9.1, make sure that your procedure around this process is clear and that whatever you do plan to do, you're showing us three consecutive samples of that process. If it's weekly summaries via email, show us three weeks. If it's completed during some sort of monthly meeting, show us three months. If they do sign off on the inspection samples, then you're gonna show us three signed samples um, based on the frequency that you've picked. So just make sure that you uh, identify something that is going to accomplish the goals of keeping senior management informed of those results at a frequency that allows them to take action if there's need, um, that allows them to stay uh, aware of any trends that might be forming and things that are going on, um, but that again just make sure it does fit for you and that you're showing us consecutive samples of that. Yep, okay, great. Um, and the last question for this element is 9.11, and it is, are inspection reports communicated to all relevant workplace parties? So this is the last question of the element, and it is the one that is interview only in this element. So for this one, I'm not gonna say three consecutive samples for the first time. Um, and this one really depends on how your management and your workers that you're interviewing respond to you in the interview 
uh, question. In this sense, it's a really good idea to think about how you're going to do the communication sort of in general to, to your staff, to your management and your workers. In 9.10, we were talking about how does senior management get informed of the results, but what is your more general communication strategy? And again, this can be described in your procedure. Uh, and the reason you really want to think about it is because you're going to ask your staff these interview questions. So you want to make sure that you have that communication plan that's going to be effective for them to be able to respond positively to this question um, and to be able to um, know how they access that information that might appear in the inspection process. So you know, sometimes if you put up a poster on a safety board, uh, you know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that as a communication plan, but are your staff pulling what you need them to pull from that? Uh, and so to give some, some sort of consideration to what's going to work and what's going to effectively communicate the necessary information in this case. All right. Um, and did you have any final thoughts or recommendations on this topic, workplace inspections? Of course, I can never resist a few final thoughts on an element. Um, I guess I would say with this one that this element is very clearly set up at the beginning with some key procedures tied into some key legislation. Uh, and then from there, it's going to ask you to really understand how those key inspection records you've identified are going to address many required aspects to make to make a really functioning inspection uh, program for your company. So it really does have that structure of identifying your your requirements clearly, identifying your legislation, and then demonstrating that all those different bits and pieces that are necessary are completed through that process. The samples in this element are clearly from my repetition, often very repetitive. Um, and you might benefit from having one sort of comprehensive package of samples that has, um, you know, a structure of, of three consecutive samples in of different types of forms that you'll provide for most of the implementation of this element. But ensuring that that cross-referencing inside of it is pointing us to the specific pieces of those forms and the specific subsections of that sampling that apply to the different questions because this in this element where we can generally be confident that you have inspection forms what we want to know is that your your system and utilizing those inspection forms is going to touch on the different requirements uh, of this element and and the pieces that are going to help you build a truly powerful system out of these documents that's going to help you for your due diligence as a firm. These, these documents, when, when completed um, based on meeting legislation and recording these different pieces, can really be a powerful document for, for your organization's due diligence. Um, but if you're not completing them as intended, they can really start to work against you as well. So for this reason, we really want you to be clear in both your procedures and your implementation to make sure that you know that you're doing everything you need to, why you're doing it, and that you're carrying through on that as intended. So this element really takes sort of what tends to be a fairly um, standard document, not a, not a huge list of documents like you might have in, in other elements, and focuses in on the interior details of that document uh, and, and how it's going to meet certain requirements for you and work for you in a sort of legal sense. These documents are also um, 
fairly important to recognize for their very po clear potential tie-in to your statistics and records um, element and, and processes that you're going to have in your organization. In the core tool, this is element 12. So I suspect you're going to have a podcast on that later in this, in this uh, podcast series. But really, these, these documents, these inspection documents, they have a lot of information in there that can be something very key to tie into the sort of data that you might want to uh, pull for your, your statistics and records uh, information. And then it really just comes down to, for in terms of administratively for this element, making sure you give us the, that sufficient number of samples to really answer the question that's being asked in, in each specific case, because you're going to be giving us the same document. You are um, many, many times. It's just the power is in knowing what, what about that document is meaningful in the context of each question. Right. All right. Well, thank you for coming in and having this discussion with me. Thank you. The IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening.